0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester once again with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Um, I want to thank everyone for all your support. We are like trending now on iTunes. It's really, really cool. And it's not because of anything I'm doing. It's because of the amazing guests that I have on. And today is no different. I have Rachel Wonderly on today. Thank you for being here and welcome.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait for you guys to get to know her and to hear her story. Um, I'm gonna give you a little background on her. She's a surgical tech currently at uh, LASIK Plus. She's a singer and songwriter. And I'm not kidding you guys when I say this, she's an amazing singer. Like um, you <laughs> guys gonna you. have to check her out on YouTube and some of her videos are just fantastic. Um, she is part of the worship team at the Well Church. We'll get more into that as well. Um, and, and again, she sings a lot there and yeah. <laughs> does some amazing things. She's a suicide prevention advocate. Um, we're gonna get into that story as well. Um, she, you know, kind of very faithful person believes in God, tries to follow her life by the spirit, following his plan, that kind of thing. And you're very passionate about that. And you you don't hold back on that. You're not afraid to kind of be that way. Correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But she lives an amazing life. She's a light, man. She glows and uh, I'm just so blessed to have you here today. Thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and it's bright and early as well. It is. And so it is thank really you for being early. so early. It's still
1: dark outside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we uh, get a little background on you? Like tell tell our listeners kind of where you grew up, a little bit about your family and
1: Yeah. So i was born in utah but then my dad's job immediately took us to the east coast so i actually grew up in dc and new york okay and we moved um we kind of moved all over i probably lived in like 10 different houses from the time i was born to the time i was like 15 okay um we moved to utah when i was about 16 or 17 so it was a majority of my life on the east coast um, I'm the oldest, so that was always fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was the oldest of four growing okay. up majority of my life and then about 6 or might be 7 years ago now, we adopted three more from Haiti. So Oh,
0: wow, okay.
1: Right after so their parents died in the earthquake and then um we filed for adoption for them. It's a sibling group. Um, okay. right after that and it took the process took like 4 years so um we didn't get them till quite a bit after that but it's been just like the biggest blessing to our family for sure. I don't really? even remember what what my sibling life was like before they were here so now I'm the oldest of seven. Wow. So it's a lot. That's
0: amazing. I bet that's been quite the experience. Yeah, it's, And like you said, you don't even it's almost as if they've always been a part of your family.
1: Yeah, I really yeah. I mean, they just fit in so well I mean you hear we had foster siblings a couple times when we lived in New York and then when we moved to Utah um my parents were in the foster system and um we'd have a couple foster siblings come and go here and there some would stay for about a year some would stay Mm -hmm. for just a couple months um and it was hard it was always really hard I mean it it was challenging it was a blessing in a lot of ways but definitely challenging and with the the my siblings now it was just—I mean—it just fit in immediately. They right. were just—even with the language barrier at first, because <laughs> they didn't speak English when they first got here. Like, that was really funny. At things <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> <laughs> that was really fun. So um, now awesome. they speak English, obviously. My yeah. sisters don't even remember Haitian Creole anymore. But um, wow. but it's been just like the greatest addition to our lives. So wow. So Super you moved cool. around
0: a lot. It sounds like was yeah. that was that a tough. Thing, do you remember that being a hard thing for you?
1: I remember um, the the two biggest moves for me that were really hard were when we moved from D.C. to New York because we moved immediately into the heart of Manhattan, and I was eight or nine at that point. And um, looking back, where we lived in Manhattan was actually awesome but as a 9 year old i did not appreciate it at all right. and <laughs> i i just hated it i was terrified all the time i didn't want to go to school i missed my friends it was just i went uh, from from having kind of the setup that i wanted as a middle schooler to just being thrown into this school where i was definitely the minority and i was mm-hmm. bullied a lot oh really in manhattan for sure um just based on my appearance, really. I mean, right. a- there is nothing, uh, nothing additional to that, but um, <laughs> I just remember not, like my dad would walk me to school every morning and and I would just be crying <laughs> the whole way to school. I don't want to go. Just, I don't want to go. <laughs> it's so scary. And... Um, And we eventually moved to Westchester two years after being in Manhattan um, because my mom was like, we just we need a yard at this point. We need to get out of here. (laughs) So my dad commuted commuted into the city and we moved to Westchester, which I remember liking that move. Um, But the next hardest move was definitely moving from New York to Utah. That was a culture shock oh, big for time. sure <laughs> so and my whole family's from utah my parents are from utah they've met at the university of utah my extended family is in is here in california and in, in california so okay it was nice being by family that right. definitely helped the transition but as far as everything else goes i mean i was leaving the volleyball team that i had just made and the school musical that i was right. like a lead in and and my first boyfriend, which, oh, you know, no. you think is like your whole world at that point. Sure. Which, <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness, I don't live there anymore. But um, <laughs> but that was like definitely hard. I felt like my whole life was just being ripped away from me at that yeah, point. Yeah, I so. can imagine that. And you were school. how old
0: again when you got here?
1: 16? Like 16, 17-ish.
0: Yeah. I mean, right in the middle of right the middle high, of high school. school. That would yeah. be tough. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was definitely the hardest move. I remember not liking my parents for about a year. Yeah, <laughs> I was really. Like, how am I going to get back to New York cuz yeah. all I cared about for the first year of yeah. living here.
0: Wow. Well, you know, again like I said earlier, you know, you you're you're a believer in God, um you're you're you 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 live that way, you try to do the right thing, that kind of thing. Where did that start and how did you learn this or where did that stem from?
1: Um I've always been I've always believed in some type of higher power, even mm-hmm. in my darkest moments. But it wasn't until fast forward a bunch of years, I got divorced. And okay. I needed something more in my life. I needed whatever relationship I had with God at the time, from the time I was born till that moment, I needed something more. And I wasn't really sure what that was but I just remember after getting divorced I would come home from work on a Friday night mm-hmm. and the only thing I could get myself to do was go downstairs into my room and just start praying and cause I was in so much pain and right. I didn't really know how, how else to go about my weekends at that point cause I couldn't right. get myself out of bed, I didn't want to be social, I didn't want to, definitely didn't want to date so I was just kinda stuck. Um, just at my, just in my room. And, and God at that point started becoming like my best friend Okay. and it, it was, it switched from being this distant father relationship to this very close personal best friend type relationship that I started having with him.
0: So, um, let's talk a little bit about the divorce, if that's all right. How long were you married? Was it...
1: Um, we dated for about a year and then married for about a year. Okay.
0: Yeah. Right. Obviously devastated when it happened. Was it, yeah. you know, something that you, you know, weren't seen coming or was it?
1: I definitely didn't see it coming. Okay. It was, I mean, I don't think I've ever been blindsided like that. Cause I was in a relationship, uh, for four years with someone before that. And that relationship took so long to get over there was just so much history there and but every time that we would break up because it was kind of on and off for the last year I kind of knew it was coming and and I always felt like I had a good sense of when bad things were about to happen and so when I came home from work one day and you know me and my husband had never talked about divorce we we had a good relationship there were just some some pivotal things that we didn't agree on. And we wouldn't argue about them very much, but divorce was never something we really mentioned. And and I came home from work one day and his stuff was kind of packed and he was just like, I'm going to move down to my friend's house. I think we should separate for a little bit. And it started out as a separation, but very quickly, I mean, within a matter of weeks or days turned into, he's just like, no, I think it's better off if we just part ways and i'm gonna move back home to florida and he kind of just he was living in a different state about a month after he moved out so it all happened super fast
0: sure well so yeah and that would have been a really difficult thing when you're kind of blindsided by something like that obviously um and that's when you said you you know would kind of come home and really start reaching out to to god yeah but you obviously had a belief in God before all of this because you you know what I mean? Like, how would you have known to do that anyways, if that makes right. sense? Right? Right. Where did that, I mean, is that something you were taught by your parents when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, so I actually grew up um, LDS. So I grew up mm. LDS and then got married in the temple. And um, I was always, I mean, I remember like, being in uh youth like young women's and i would just uh, god was just always something that was so so close to my heart and 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 my parents yeah we would have you know family nights and and prayer and scripture i mean that was always a part of our life so i i grew up i there was never a point in my life where i didn't believe in in god okay um and and it's my ex-husband, the main reason why we got divorced is I wasn't necessarily living and like, bless his heart, I, I will always like, you know, respect him and love right. him as a person. Um, I think he's a great person. I think he just expected me to be somewhere that I wasn't at that time Mm -hmm. and didn't really give me the time to grow in that realm on a religious basis, not necessarily spiritually, but just religious, religion wise. I just wasn't really there. But with looking at my past versus looking at his past, it makes sense why I wasn't there (laughs) right when he wanted me to be. Right. Okay. So, so I think, you know, him leaving was one of the hardest things that ever happened. But now looking back on it, I think we both look at the situation and are like, okay, yeah, this is probably better.
0: Yeah. It kind of goes with the, with the saying that I tell my clients all the time, life happens for you. Yeah. Like even though that was a tough time, it was, you know, you look back, like you said, oh, this was, that was the best thing. Yeah. And I grew from it. I'm better for it. I'm stronger for it kind of thing. Yeah. Right. It happens for you. Right. Right. You know, yeah. even it, it hurts so bad, <laughs> right? Yeah, but, that's what I've learned. But like you look at it, you, what did you do? You, you connected with God spiritually in a way that you never probably would have had you not gone through it. Right. right. I
1: definitely, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have connected with God in that way. I just, I'm, I watched people who kind of fall away from religions, no matter what religion it uh-huh. is. And usually they, they go the atheist route and, and. And I wasn't ever, I never really got there. I was like, right. no, I definitely still know that God's here in the midst uh-huh. of this and he wants the best for me, whether right. it's within this religion or that religion or no religion at all. It's right. just he's speaking to me so loudly in a way that's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm still here. I know this is really hard, but don't blame this on you know a religion or don't blame this on me. Like I'm still here in, th- in the midst of it. And I think right. that was really cool. Yeah. Um, because it could have so easily gone the opposite direction. For sure. Because of the way the divorce went down, things like that, the reasons for it. And, yeah. and in no way do I blame any like religion yeah. or anything like that.
0: Well, you know, people who know you and I've, I'm getting to know you really well as well. But you, you come across okay. as this very powerful, positive individual I mean, where did have you always kind of been like this optimist and and I mean you're bubbly, you're energetic, you're <laughs> <It> depends on <laughs> a lot of who energy. you talk
1: to. Um, <laughs> um, I've always been very energetic. I've always uh, been very comedic in the way I go about things for uh-huh. sure. I feel like some sometimes <laughs> I'm masking, you know, anxiety or whatnot with okay. comedy, but I've kind of learned to just. To face my problems first, and then and then go to gotcha. the the fun loving right. side of things. But I, no, I definitely feel. I hope from other people's perspective, I'm like thinking about you know my sister is probably the closest to me. Sees all my bad sides, um, <laughs> all my exes. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they've all they all know me really well. Um, I I I definitely try to be as positive as I can. Right. I. I've just been through too much and I struggle with too many things to show all of those struggles on the outside. So I would much rather deal with them myself on the inside and have it be between like me and God or me and a therapist or something like that than just air my dirty laundry all the time to everyone and be that negative Nancy. I feel like with things that I go through, I could talk about all the negative stuff all the time. And I love, I love, processing things out and talking Mm -hmm. about everything that I've gone through. That's, that's one thing, but I mean, to continually bring negativity onto other people because you're experiencing a negative time. I just, I've never liked that. So I try, I always try really hard not to be that person. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the way you come across. And, and, and I I know everyone has their struggles and they have their battles, but, uh, but you do, I mean, you're a very positive, optimistic individual, which is great. You're, you know, you're, oh, thank you're you. a broad I'm a glad it light. comes across you that you did, way. You do, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, and, no, and I love that. And um, and I do appreciate what you're saying there. Like, you know, we could throw out all this negative stuff all the time because I'm struggling. I get it. We should reach out when we are at times. But uh, yeah. I love that. Um, let's kind of talk about, you know, you're, you're a suicide prevention advocate. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. And like, why, why are you that? And where did that come from? And let's talk about why you're doing that.
1: Yeah. So I think um, it was eighth grade. We were still living in New York at the time. Nothing had really happened. No big change in my family life Mm -hmm. or friend life had really happened. But I started experiencing my first dose of depression when I was in eighth grade okay. is really when I remember this kind of this flip kind of happening in my mind. Uh-huh. And I would just come home and and nothing would cheer me up and and I would just isolate, um, wouldn't get good grades. I was kind of just uh, throwing my life away in my mind and I don't remember having a suicidal thought at that point but um, when we moved to Utah was probably when I had my first I started experiencing what suicidal ideation was like. And my depression really took over at that Mm. point. Um, And that, at that point you could consider it circumstantial because of all the things that were going on, but then it just continued. And I started actually liking the life that I had in Utah, but these suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. would still be there. And I couldn't really figure out why there was no reason. um, There was no specific reason I could think of. I just felt an overwhelming amount of unworthiness and just from just not from anything in particular but I just felt like I couldn't turn to God but he was there and -hmm. that was really hard for me and I felt like no guy is gonna love me in like a romantic way I Uh just um no no friends are gonna appreciate me it was just all the self-doubt and self-deprecation all the time and I would just think about death on a regular basis. And I started thinking like, this is not normal. And it kinda happened throughout all of high school and high school is when I started self-medicating with alcohol. Okay. And that obviously makes it worse because it's a depressant. And <laughs> right. then it would be like, it would just tank. I'd, I'd be depressed, but then I would drink and I'd be like, okay, where's the gun at at this point? I mean, that's like, wow. that's intense, but it would be my immediate thought most of the time. And I started self-medicating with alcohol for anxiety, for depression. Um, and that just continued to get worse. It started in high school, but college is when it really hit the fan. And I was like basically living on the street at that point um, because of my. it was my own fault. I mean, my parents were basically like... If you want to live with us, we have all these things that we need you to do because right. they saw my life just just going like falling into shambles. I mean they they just saw this path that I was going down and were probably very fearful for where my right. life was headed. And at the time I didn't I didn't care at all. I didn't care about my life because at that point it was worthless. So I packed like a garbage bag of stuff and ended up living on like a a couch of a frat house for probably three months or so and it was that was rock bottom people always ask like oh was the divorce the hardest time of your life i'm like actually no the divorce gave me so much that i can't look at it now as my rock bottom this moment was my rock bottom and i remember the first time i attempted suicide um I've attempted multiple times, and it's, I remember my dad had said something about a year before I moved out, I think it was, he said, if any of my kids ever committed suicide, because I would talk to my parents about depression, and they didn't really understand it, they didn't understand it in the way I was trying, and I was bad at explaining it, Um, but my dad was like, if any of my kids ever commit suicide, I won't throw them a funeral, because I won't be sad, I'll be pissed, And I remember that sticking in my mind. And I was like, and my dad's one of my best friends and I respect him so much. So I was like, all right, well, my twisted brain at that point was like, how do I make this um, not look like a suicide, but all I can think about is dying? I mean, I'd end a relationship with somebody and my first thought was death. It wasn't just, okay, I need to go eat a tub of ice cream like all my other friends. It was like, I need to die I I can't think of any other way out of this besides death and um and I remember I decided in that time that I was basically living from frat house to frat house was I'm just gonna drink myself to death so Mm -hmm. I didn't eat for a significant amount of time um at least a month and I didn't consume any type of water or, or juice right. or anything like that it was the only just thing drinking. that went into my body was alcohol because right. I was like well this has gotta like do the this job do at it. some point like this will do it and I became really really sick and people around me didn't really know what was going on I think they just thought she doesn't have her crap together at all like right. she's just a mess right and but a lot of people in that scene, in the frat sorority scene kind of are a mess at that point too. So I was able to cover it up kind of well. But for me, I mean, I was just like praying every night that I went to bed, totally hammered. I was just praying to not wake up. And I was just like, okay, this is the day. This is the day. And I just felt my body dwindling and like deteriorating. And I just, I was just like, all right, one more day, one more day. I mean, we're almost there. There's no way a human can survive right. something like this. yeah. And, um, and it was just awful. And I don't even know how I got out of that situation by the grace of God. I got out of that situation and ended up moving back home um, and trying to get healthy and went through withdrawals and all that stuff. But I just remember even after that, when I thought I was healing, cause I wasn't self-medicating anymore. I would still think about, death and one of my girlfriends and I went out to dinner one time and she was like you, do you do you know that w- when people are upset about something their first thought isn't normally dying and mm-hmm. and that I don't know why you would think that'd be a very obvious statement but to me right. that like shook me. I was like wait, what? You yeah. not everybody thinks immediately towards death. Mm-hmm. And then from that point forward I was like okay, well Talking about this and being an advocate for this, trying to figure out how to explain to people what this feeling is like. I feel like that's my purpose and that's kind of when it started forming. Um, And then after the divorce, I immediately just went back into, I was reaching out for God, but at the same time, I was back in my suicidal spiral and my self-medicating spiral. And it eventually checked me and I went to treatment and i was in treatment for 3 months really okay um and i went to treatment my mom will always say that i went to treatment for alcohol but really i feel i went because i was because of the suicidal ideation mm-hmm. um i feel like i was always just self medicating for what i was going through mentally and and i couldn't figure out how to how to cope mentally so went to went to treatment and then i started seeing like the treatment scene and thought that's Mm kind of like where my calling was at and and um but throughout the years i've kind of just built a better explanation of how to talk to people about suicide how to um how to explain what that level of depression feels like Mm -hmm. and for the past two years i've kind of just thrown it out there on my social media like hey if you're struggling with suicidal ideation, reach out to me. And um, I'll have friends who have no idea how to deal with this. And right. they'll have like a youth member from my church reach out to them about it. And they'll immediately direct it to me now because they're they're terrified that they're going to say something wrong because right. they don't understand it. They don't know. They haven't know. been there. They haven't yeah. been there. Yeah. And I was like, well... I've been there, unfortunately, so now I'm going to use that. How do I use that now to help other people? Fortunately,
0: at this point, because look what you're doing with it. So so you do this kind of, you start having this shift, right? Like maybe my purpose is to help those who are going through the same thing I'm going through, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I'm not, it's funny because I'm not afraid to talk to, you know, a 12-year-old who's reaching out saying, all I can think about is killing myself right now. And, right. and that for most people would be a scary thing to deal <laughs> right. with. And for some reason, yeah. for me, it's like <laughs> my roommate, she's she's a youth leader at our church and she will immediately direct yeah. um, youth to me if they're struggling with that thing specifically. And I have no fear there. I don't worry about me saying the wrong thing. Right. I, I know that ultimately it's not in my hands anyways. It's in God's hand, hands. And so I'm going to... Um, like just say whatever he puts on my heart and and I'm not worried that you know one thing that I say might be too bold to the point where it pushes them over the edge and they go end up acting on it like that's not that's not a fear I have at all I mean, right. probably just because I have been there and I know kind of what they need to hear yeah more so than people who haven't been there
0: yeah well well uh, people are lucky to have you for that reason honestly um, and I think we do go through trials in our lives so once we get past that or get through it, that now it's our kind of our, our responsibility, kind of to go back right. and help those who are going through the same thing, right? You know, because I've been there. That's why I do what I do today, because yeah. of what I've been through. And and had I not gone through that, you know, you know, it wouldn't be as effective. I wouldn't be as passionate about it and that kind of thing. So
1: yeah, I think it's very important. I I love that you said like our responsibility because I think that's so true. It's it takes people who've been there. To help the people who are there mm-hmm. now and what i noticed now diving into the suicide prevention world this past year and attending the suicide prevention walk in salt lake city things like that what i yeah. noticed was that there's a surprising amount of people who really still don't understand what that feels like right and they view it as um just detention seeking and things like that and that's kind of the stigma that i'm trying to squash but at the same time not just talk about what depression feels like cuz they know the people who are going through this and and self-medicating i mean they know what addiction and depression <clears throat> feels like what they need is encouragement right and so now i feel like my calling has kind of shifted throughout even just this past year from being a suicide prevention advocate and talking about what that feels like and what those people are going through to encouraging them out of it and I don't you know right I'm not going to just say that you 100% heal I mean everybody is different and yeah depends on how you how you handle it but it's more like just showing them that that they are like they are worthy and they they are they have a big calling in life and right. I have to now do that through jesus and i (laughs) was worried about that at first because it's it's kind of a bold route to take and you don't know how people are going to take it right and you don't know if they'll associate it with religion and if they have a bad bad past with religion bad experience like
0: she's some religious (laughs) fanatic right you know which you're not at all I mean, but, but I think sometimes that could come across that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the fear a little bit. Right? Yeah,
1: my friends. I actually asked <laughs> some of my friends the other day. I was like, "If you didn't know me, and you only saw like occasional things on social media, like, I mean, what would you think about me?" And they're like, "Oh, total Jesus freak." But they said it in like, right. s- like, and definitely a negative way. But they were laughing about right. it, and I, I get where they're coming from. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of just taking that. And trying to figure out how to talk to people about it. Because to me, the only thing that's actually saved my life is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I can, you know, remove certain things and certain behaviors from my own life and add more things like the gym and all these other practical things that help me Right, and those are all things that i still suggest to people sure. every day yeah. for sure i mean god gave us those things use them and yeah. you know therapy medication if it's needed things like that um i'm an advocate for all those things but ultimately I would not be living right now if it wasn't for the Lord. And I now know that for a fact. So I feel like my calling specifically has to do with um, showing people what that relationship is like. Because that's the thing that helps when everything else disappears.
0: Right. Wow. Beautiful. Wow. Love it. Thanks for sharing that part of your life and, uh, and, the and your struggles with that. Cause I, yeah. a lot of my listeners, you know, uh, have gone through that same thing that you've been going through. Right. Um, a lot of people I've had on the show, um, have been through that as well. So thank you for being, you know, willing to share that part yeah. of your life. Um, let's talk a little bit about, <laughs> I mean, like we, I said earlier, I mean, you're an amazing singer, like truly, Thank like, you. uh, <laughs> um and i can't <laughs> wait you know you got you guys have to check her out on her youtube channel and watch some of these videos and listen to her voice it's 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 amazing um, and also you have some stuff, you know, you singing at the the well church. yeah,, uh, just this even over the Christmas holiday, it was amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> right? a, a big weekend for sure. It was so, so much fun. that's awesome. And, and
0: so when did that start? I mean, did you know when you were a young girl that you just loved to sing as one of those things?
1: Or? yeah, oh, yeah. I was on stage at church when I was like three. so <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I was always in musicals. um. I did like auditioning and stuff for things that when I lived in New York. Um, but music was definitely always a huge part of my life. Mm. My whole family, yeah. to a certain extent, is musical. Um, so we would always sing together, just right. mu- musicals in the car on uh-huh. road trips, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely the only one in my family thus far who's wanted to take it to the like the next level, right. but. Music has always been something that's that's given me life.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Pretty much. So
0: Yeah, you're very passionate about it. you you know, I know you love that and you can see it when you know, you feel that when you listen to you sing. And so yeah. how has that played a part in your life? Like even up to now, how is that I guess I would imagine I mean, like singing's almost like a prayer, almost like Ooh, yeah. I mean how has that kind of helped you through this tough time and going through those thoughts of being dead and that kind of thing? How has that kind of maybe anchored you a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think um, finding certain songs where the artist is relating exactly to what I'm going through mm-hmm. kind of reminds me that, well, somebody had to write that song, so somebody else is going through what I'm what I'm going through. So okay. I, music has made it so that uh, if I'm ever feeling alone, music switches that to okay I'm no longer alone because I now have this person who's written written the song um to relate to and then just writing I started I started writing music when I was 12 and that was extremely therapeutic that right. was probably the most therapeutic thing I've ever really? done okay. because I was able to like express myself in um any I, I love on a deep level, so I do bring up things like breakups and stuff. Um, I write, <laughs> right. I mean, it's like it's like Taylor Swift. You get and you go through <laughs> one breakup and you write fifteen songs about it. Right. But that's totally how I am. And the funny part is, I won't even really finish them. I'll just start a song. I'll be like, all right, that's pretty good. Moving on, and then writing, (laughs) and then I'll write another one. I probably have hundreds of unfinished songs, just because in that moment I needed to write something down. Right. And I was like, this sounds, this sounds great. Okay, and now I got it out. Yeah, it's
0: kind of a way to get it out and yeah, yeah. And I've always process through it. Yeah.
1: Right. And if I've always, I've never been good with, I've actually never been good with my words. At least I feel like that. I've never been good at speech i've always been better at music because the lyrics are there for you and so if i was ever in a situation where i just needed to i needed help explaining myself i would send people a song and so i'd be like okay this song is exactly how i'm feeling (laughs) Um, (laughs) to the t because i also have add and so talking to people in the past has been a struggle and I feel like if I've ever gotten in an argument with somebody, I've never win arguments because my brain just like takes off in another direction. I'm like, well, I forgot my point. So you <laughs> win, I guess. See you later. <laughs> so songs have always been something I've uh-huh. used in every which way. And then just performing up until I jo- I started going to the well, um, I never really had a consistent way to perform. And being on stage now that I've had that opportunity a lot, even though I'm not singing, it's not about me. And I definitely don't want it to come across like it's about me right. if I, when I'm singing in that environment. Um, but I I just get lost in it. Right. I mean, it's just if I'm ever feeling depressed or suicidal, I I'm never feeling that on stage. It's right. just... I get taken over by the moment yeah. and it's just this level of freedom that I've never experienced before. I mean, the level of freedom that I feel on stage is something that, that nothing else has been able to give me nothing right. practical. Right. Even the gym. Yeah. I love the gym too, but <laughs> but sometimes I'm just like, Nope, this, yeah. this ain't it. <laughs> this,
0: ain't, this ain't it. No, that's beautiful. So you, So let's talk about the well. Is it the well church, is how you say it? Or is it just the well? (laughs) I
1: I say the well on Google Maps, it's the well church. But yeah, yeah, this is the well.
0: So let's talk about that and how you got involved there. And I know you perform for them all the time. You you did just this past Christmas. Yeah. Uh, It was amazing, again, like I said. Thank you. So talk about how that came about and what that's about so our listeners know.
1: So. I mean, God was all over this one because I was actually trying really hard to get a job in the treatment center industry. And I was interviewing all over and I went on this interview with this guy and he I just had to shadow him all day. That was just that was basically my interview. They're like, "Okay, you're going to go shadow Kyle because he is going to be I mean, you'll be doing his job if you get this job and i was wearing a cross necklace at the time and at this point my relationship with god was was um tangible but it wasn't it wasn't my whole life like i hadn't hit i hadn't crossed that threshold where i was just like oh my gosh no he really is like right there Mm -hmm. and um and that's kind of what i was looking for and the guy who i was shadowing he saw my necklace and he was wearing a cross necklace as well. And he's like, where do you, where do you go to church? And I was like, well, I just like, I just got divorced. I'm kind of shopping around. I don't really know. I, I'm just <laughs> right. trying to figure out where I belong <laughs> right. at this point, whether it's even in like a religion or a church or whatnot. Um, and he was like, I told him where I went at the time. Um, and he was like, oh, we used to go there too. And then we just needed more of a community And we started going to the well and I was like, wow, that's weird. Cause I was thinking that exact same thing. Like the church that I was kind of checking out was great, but I just needed more of a community and growing up LDS. That's something they do so well as community. Mm -hmm. Like you just have your ward family and it's awesome. And, and that's what I was missing. And so he was like, you should just check out the well also, um, I know you sang because we had talked about that earlier in the day, right. they're looking for worship singers. And I was like, done. That's what really got me in. I was like, like, Oh, I'm they're in. looking for singers? <laughs> Great. Cause I had tried to get on the worship team at the other church for a while yeah. and it just wasn't happening. So um he was like, Yeah, check it out. Here's the address. And that that first Sunday, I I just went, I sat in the back, and I was like, Okay, this is interesting. Um, my pastor is very charismatic and, and louder and very passionate. And I wasn't used to that at all. And the music was totally, um, rocking and the (laughs) lights were cool. And I was like, okay, interesting. Like, that's like really my only thought at that point was like, this is interesting, but I loved the message and I loved the music. It was just different. And, um, I remember, trying to kind of sneak out afterwards and my (laughs) my (laughs) worship pastor now so the well was started by two by two brothers and Mm -hmm. um one of them is the lead pastor who does the sermons one of them is the lead pastor who does the worship and the worship pastor followed me out and he was like I was actually talking to him about this the other day and he's like I don't remember the story I sound kind of creepy but he followed me out and was like I don't know what it is, but there's just something about you. I mean, mm-hmm. do you – what's your deal, basically? Yeah, <laughs> and I right. was like, well, I came here. So-and-so invited me. I heard you were looking for worship singers. He's like, yeah, we absolutely are. Um, Come to this class and then come to this thing and uh-huh. just audition. They immediately got me in to an audition.
0: They were probably like, we just hit the jackpot.
1: They <laughs> Seriously, they're like, dang. <laughs> well they have like i mean the whole team they have like some incredible singers on there and and i was just like uh, immediately the the satan satan started taking over because he was like oh no you're not worthy enough to get up on that stage like all these thoughts started Mm. coming into my mind like leading up to the Uh the audition and then the audition happened and from that point forward I mean they put me on they put me on stage just kind of as backup as for at first and my pastors just from that point forward tried to just really like help me grow in a spiritual level so that I could then lead um they knew I had had the talent musically and they were just kind of helping me get to that next level spiritually and just kind of what do you want with your with your life spiritually how do you picture your relationship with god being what is it now where where do you want it to go and they really just helped me m- mold into who who i am now and just pushed me to be like the best version of myself they helped me squash right. those feelings of you mm-hmm. know unworthiness it's not about that it's about you know yeah. god's grace and i really started understanding god's grace and and yeah. using it in my life on a regular basis and and then I just remember the first time that I ever led a song. I was so terrified. And my whole <laughs> family came. And they <laughs> I was like, man, this is the first time they're even coming to this type of church. Like, right. they're going to think this is crazy. And um, they, like, <laughs> loved it. And yeah. it was so much fun. I just remember being so nervous. And right in that moment, right before, like, I went on stage, I just remember thinking, like, like God was just like, it just... I'm using you as, as a vessel. Like Mm -hmm. don't worry about anything. Don't worry about messing up. Don't worry about being spiritually in tune enough to lead the song or praying in a certain way or anything like that, or, um, like coming across as anybody but yourself, because it's not, I'm just using you to touch like the lives of other people. It's not right. it's not going to be it's not going to be you that touches them. It's going to be me through you and yeah. through your voice and I was just like, "Oh, great. Okay. I don't have to worry about anything. Like yeah. this is it isn't me. It's just it's just I'm up there doing my thing and he's speaking through me." And right. that just gave me this this huge sense of peace and wow. and reassurance that like, okay, it's it's going to be okay. It doesn't matter if I mess up because right. the people in the in the congregation they won't hear that they'll just hear yeah, I mean, what what God wants them to hear exactly. and that was like super just a super cool revelation like in that moment and ever since then it's like just been a constant challenging myself God challenging me to just lead in the way that I was meant to meant to lead yeah. not just with music but with speaking too right. which is something that's totally out of my comfort zone <laughs> speaking is, is totally out of my comfort zone which is surprising
0: <laughs> like the, cause you, you're just so outgoing it's be, it, that surprises me actually Really yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I I mean yeah like public speaking I'm like man I can sing in front of a million people and not get nervous but you you tell me to talk for like 2 minutes on a certain to- topic and I'm like Bleh. it's just <laughs> word vomit of what did she even just say and yeah. and that but a lot of that happened when i wasn't letting god lead and right. now it, gotcha. the difference is i'm really trying to let him lead in anything that i say whether yeah. it's just a one-on-one conversation with sure. somebody over coffee or whether it's in front of a whole auditorium of people yeah. i just try to let what like god whatever you want these people to hear just help me s- help me say that in a way that come across that comes across well gotcha. and cool. understandable and relatable
0: yeah. awesome well I have a uh, a few more things I want to ask you and they might kind of blend in together but if if there's some advice you could give someone out there who might be struggling or you know they're trying to look for some purpose in their life or what have you and You know, what, what's something, what's some advice you could give them right now that if they're listening to this going, man, I need help or I'm I'm struggling kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing to do is to, um, give up the control because Mm. the second that you actually, and it's easier said than done for sure, because I've done this myself, Uh but, um, the second you give up control of your own life and not in like a give in to my addiction type way, but given to let's just see where my higher power is taking me. That's when you start to see things happen um, that you never really would. I mean, be still in the moment that you're, that you're mm-hmm. relinquishing control because then you'll start to actually take note of what's going on around you, kind of what, what God's doing around you. Um, I had to fully lose lose control of my life. I mean, I couldn't keep my marriage from working out. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get the job that I wanted that I was trying so hard to get. And right. I was like, doing, doing, doing. And then finally I remember just having, I mean, even just a week, it was just a week of like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be still. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say like, all right, God, like show me something. Show, show me any type of direction as to where I'm supposed to go. And if you really actually let yourself be still in that moment and give him the control, he shows up in very obvious ways. Right like very obvious ways, but he, but he hasn't done that for me unless I've been like fully letting go of, of the control of my life. I mean, and anxiety, most people who struggle with depression and addiction, anxiety goes hand in hand with that. And I think Mm -hmm. that really helped my anxiety a ton was Mm -hmm. letting go of the the control. The control control was a big thing for me. It's
0: great advice. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And it's hard because it's like people are like, well, how do I do that? You know, how <laughs> yeah. do I just sit here on my bed and just like wait in silence? <laughs> like, no, I would say while you're giving up the control, I I challenged God. I mean, I was like, OK, uh, use me. I'm if if I'm meant to do if I'm not meant to have this job then take it away in a very obvious way. And he did. I mean, it was like immediate. Like, mm-hmm. I got a phone call an hour after that that prayer that was just like, um, no, we're gonna go with somebody else because of this, this, and this. I mean, and it was, or like, if I'm not right. supposed to be in this relationship, take it away. And, and it has been. Every relationship that I've th- slightly entered in the last two years of, of on and off dating has been taken away the second that I've Mm -hmm. said that prayer. I'm like, if this isn't right, take it away now before I'm too far invested. I mean, he'll he'll really show up in in billboard type ways if you Mm -hmm. actually just just like challenge him. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't think it's a bad thing to do that. I think he's kind of just waiting there being like, all right. Gonna, I'll challenge like I'll take that challenge. Are you gonna listen? Like <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Are you really gonna follow it? Are you really I'm gonna, gonna follow yeah. it? Because it's
1: hard. It's not sure. it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to just be still and, and right. relinquish control. That's something that takes practice for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's that's definitely something that takes practice. But I did not gain the tangible relationship that I have with God now mm-hmm. without putting that into practice. Right. And having moments that were really uncomfortable. Right, really, really uncomfortable.
0: Wow. Well, I love that's great advice for all of us uh, for sure. And this may be almost similar to what you just said, but maybe different. But uh, I wanted you to maybe come up with a challenge for yeah. our listeners. You know, is there a challenge that you could give us? Uh, you know, that uh,
1: you think would benefit us? Yeah. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this is convenient timing because the new year is here, and right. I'm all about the new year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about new starts and <clears throat> timelines and things like that. But I remember last year, my New Year's resolution was one to be more bold in my faith vocally, so speak about it more. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I've done that. But, but two, not not comparing myself to other people. And I I actually right. literally went through my social media and unfollowed people that I didn't know who I was just following because I. I wanted to look like them. Or, I was
0: wondering why or, he unfollowed me. Be- I don't, <laughs> now I know why. Thanks. I was, it was really weird.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we could so clear that up. So this is, this is awkward, but I had to unfollow you. It was just too much right. to live up to, yeah but, yeah. but I, I did. I mean, right. it was very practical things sure. that I put into place in order to not compare myself to other people. That was just one of my biggest resolutions That's for awesome. 2018 was to not compare Love. myself to these fitness models it was really like a big thing for some reason. And, um, or these, you know, famous singers who I wanted to be like, because I'm like, okay, God's molding me into somebody totally different. Mm-hmm. And so with the new year coming up, I just I just feel like, um, like challenge yourself. I think the comparison thing plays a big part in figuring out how God sees you. And the mm-hmm. challenge overall, I think, would be to see yourself the way that God sees you, but that's a very... That's a very um, broad, hard, f- difficult thing to do, and I and I get that. So going, like, coinciding with that, kind of helping with the idea of how do you see yourself the way that God sees you. Mm-hmm. The first, one of the f- main things I would do is start looking at who you're comparing yourself to, because if you're not seeing yourself in the way that God sees you, then you're seeing yourself in the way that the you think the world sees you or you're seeing yourself in the way that um you feel you you should be I oh I should be here you're compare you're constantly comparing yourself to usually the people that you follow on social media or the people you spend your most time with so I would challenge people to look at um the people who they're allowing to be in their close corner and are these really people who are encouraging you to be right. your best self? Are, are they people who you can 100% be vulnerable around or are they people who you're having to talk a certain way, dress a certain way, yeah. act a certain way in order to be friends with them? Yeah. Are you only hanging out with these certain people because you have one thing in common and that's partying? I mean, that's I ha- totally had that yeah. problem. Yeah, so, <laughs> um. Like look at why you're friends with the people that you're friends with, and it's not like okay I'm better than you I'm not gonna be your friend anymore type thing not at all. Um, but it's just who are you surrounding yourself with, yeah. and and not just physically, but I think social media is a huge thing. Who are you? Yeah. Who are you following? Who are you allowing to influence yourself? And if you're not if you're listening to this and your and the God thing doesn't resonate to you and you're kind of like, you know, well, how can I make this more practical? I would say, look at, look at who you're following. Look at who you're comparing yourself to. Because most of the people that you follow who are maybe social media influencers or who are quote unquote famous, are you comparing yourself to them? And if so, then Mm -hmm. you're not seeing yourself in the way that God is seeing you because he sees you in your own unique individual light. And way and what you're meant to, who you're meant to be and what you're meant to Mm -hmm. do in this life is not even close to the same as somebody else or the people that you're following or even your friends or your family. Every single person has their own unique calling. So in regards to seeing yourself the way God sees you, that's been my biggest challenge and will continue to be my challenge for myself in 2019. Is just continuing to see myself the way God sees me. Because right. the second you can see yourself the way He sees you, I mean, He made you in His own perfect way. Right. Like He is your He. You are His perfect creation. Yeah. Like He just. I mean, He. Just, I love. Somebody said one time, like they phrased it in a way of like, imagine yourself being like a blanket, and he he didn't just say poof, here's Todd, or who, poof, yeah. here's Rachel. He was like sewing and stitching like every single mm. part of you, yeah. like every single inch. I mean, it took a Love ton that. of time. So right. think of something that you've built in your life, whether you're mu- a musician and you've written a song that that took a lot of time that you're proud of, Or, you know, it is a blanket that you've knit together or something like that, something that you've built. Think of something that's really special to you. That's the way that God views you as an individual. So see the way that my my biggest challenge would be do all these things, all the things you can in order to see yourself the way that God sees you, because then the enemy has no room to to. Speak poorly in your or negatively in your ear. I
0: love it. Wow, that's a that's an amazing challenge. I'm not kidding you. That is something we all need to do. And uh, you said it so beautifully. By the way, you know, especially that blanket analogy. You know, with my clients, a lot of my clients, you know, they they quote unquote think they have a disease. And I always one of my favorite things to tell them is, you have God's DNA pumping through your veins, not a disease. Yeah. Because I really believe that, absolutely, and, uh, and I loved how you put that together, and that's a great challenge for each and every one of us. And so, um, you know, I we could go on and on and on. But, I know, but you have to leave. <laughs> Do Unfortunately, <I> no. <laughs> I'm getting um, kicked out. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, this was amazing. I, I, you, you truly are a light to, to this world and to to myself. I really look up to you and. Like I said, I really too. I love the way you live your life. Uh, it's actually very, very impressive, and um, I want my listeners to also get to know you a little even better than this. Is there a way? Yeah. What would be the best way for them to reach out to you if they have a question for you? And then how could they follow you? And,
1: and yeah, and, um, I would say definitely. So I'm launching a YouTube channel that's very God centered mm-hmm. and that'll incorporate music and just me being myself so you'll get a lot of weird in there too um (laughs) but launching that in january (laughs) so in three days oh great yeah um but everything for that will be advertised on my instagram so i'd say okay for now um go to my instagram i respond to all my direct messages if you have any questions if you um like Mm one-on-one questions that people have for me i'd happily answer anything so sure um yeah my instagram would be the go-to right now
0: and how do they get to what's what's your so it's
1: rachel r-a-c-h-e-l underscore wonder w-u-n-d-e-r so. Wonder, one, spin wonderly. off of my last name yeah wonderly what Rachel a cool underscore like we
0: were talking about earlier like wonderly <laughs> is such a cool name <laughs> yeah i love
1: it i gotta trademark that <laughs> you do you,
0: you do you really do you put should. it on
1: some merchandise <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely funny.
0: absolutely well i want to thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me this morning and sharing your story with me and with our with our listeners, uh, I yeah, can't thank it was you enough. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah, you're I'm so happy to be here. You're awesome. I'm grateful to, that I know you, and uh, you definitely are a light. And uh, and I I'm so grateful that that I know you. Thank you. Yeah, oh, thank and I you. love what you're doing, and I'm going to keep following you. And I hope that my listeners will follow you as well. I uh, will be posting this soon, so I'm excited for them to get to know awesome. you. Awesome. To to yeah, know I'm story. excited. Yeah. So. Listeners, thank you so much for your support. Um, I can't thank you enough. We're trending on iTunes, which is just a blessing, and I'm so thankful for that. We couldn't do it without you, and and Rachel, again, thanks for coming on and sharing your your amazing story, your yeah, amazing life.
1: Yeah,
0: thank you. So thank you so much. My pleasure.